0: For me, it was watching kids get transed uh, chemically and surgically that alerted me to the fact that medicine has been utterly co-opted. Then I learned about things like the ice pick lobotomy and realized I should have listened to my wife much more, much more about antidepressants and what was being done there. We now know that there's no serotonin problem. This never existed. For Steve Kirsch, who is a very successful tech entrepreneur and no stranger to, to giving money to politicians, used to getting phone calls back because of that money. Uh, it went from trying to help get early treatment established with his own money, million bucks, six million total in a, in a program they put together to help people get early treatment for the COVID flu. It's taken him to a place that, I don't think public health people wants, public health wants people to go, but thank God he's gone here. It's opened my eyes to, uh, to not trusting authority.
1: Uh, You know, it's more of the uh, trust, but verify.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, So with emphasis on the verify now, it used to be just trust, right? For the FDA, the FDA and CDC told me get the shot. Well, so it turns out that you, you then start to take a critical eye and you look at other things they told you like they told you that other vaccines are safe and effective it turns out that they've been lying to us about that as well uh, you know they they covered up the link between autism and vaccines you know when you look at the evidence there's an admission from the CDC that they instructed people who work at the CDC to destroy all data that links the vaccines with autism. Why would the CDC have people destroy data linking vaccines and autism?
0: Why indeed? Well, I think we know. Steve Kirst joins us in the Todd Herman Show. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, From the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times such as these require us to make a decision and not making a decision, that's a decision. And I'll say again, this week, partners of the week are the people who got this whole thing rolling. Dave the Digital at Greenhaven Interactive, Julie Barrett, Conservatives Ladies of Washington, and the folks at Major Creative Media in Seattle. We'll be making an announcement about the podcast, the future of the podcast. It is great news, God is so good. First of all, to introduce us to you. And for most of us, we've been together almost a decade. Can you believe that? And now something new coming to the podcast will explain that. Been so excited to talk to this gentleman because of what he's doing with his money and his time. Uh, Steve Kirsch, welcome to The Todd Herman Show. Thanks, Todd. It's good to be here. Those of us who spend a lot of time in COVID and in response to this, I've been doing it for three years. Um, we tend to think everybody knows everybody. Uh, I know of you through Tucker Carlson and then I follow your substack and I find it utterly fascinating. Can you tell my audience a little bit about yourself, your background in politics and business and then how how you came to recognize this huge gap between the actual data and what we were being told by government authorities?
1: Yeah, so uh, my background is in high technology. I've started seven high tech firms and when COVID hit, I was not able to go into work you know because everyone was afraid of catching it or giving it to someone and so i looked around for ways i could make a difference and people told me that uh, using repurposed drugs would be the fastest safest and cheapest way to end the pandemic so i took a million dollars of my own money and raised another five million dollars from people i knew and i started the COVID 19 early treatment fund and we funded research on which repurposed drugs could make a difference. And uh, then uh, uh, after we found a drug uh, that was highly effective for fluvoxamine, we discovered that the NIH um, wouldn't add it to their guidelines and the FDA wouldn't give us an EUA for it either. And that was pretty disconcerting. And then when the vaccines came out, I still trusted the FDA and the CDC for advice, even though clearly something was was wrong. But I I still thought the vaccines had to be safe because the FDA has a long history of of safety. And so I got I got the vaccines um, the uh, two Moderna shots in March of 2021 when they. They first came out and my wife got vaccinated and my kids were all vaccinated but then a month later i started hearing horror stories from my friends people who either died or were injured from the vaccine and that didn't make any sense because i would never heard anything like that uh, for any of my friends in the past for any vaccine so i looked into it and in fact uh, one person had three relatives that died Uh, within a week after getting the vaccine so that's that's pretty extreme so i looked into it and looked at the uh, uh the data behind it instead of just asking doctors i actually went and looked at the data and all the data i found was uh was extremely troubling it was basically that the government had lied to us that these vaccines are not safe and effective they're more likely to kill you than to save you and i discovered that we've killed over half a million americans uh, with these, uh, COVID shots and we've injured, um,
0: millions. Steve, y- you were not, um, unfamiliar with being able to reach out to, uh, political powers, uh, representatives. And I, you know, I take you as a man who, you, you immediately put money to work. You're trying to help, uh, get people back to work and then save lives. Uh, did you reach out to political leaders? And, and if so, what I did. yeah, what happened? And
1: Nobody would, uh, would talk to me. They all said, Oh, you're wrong. Either you're wrong. And, and, uh, and then they hang up or they would give it to the uh, staffer and then the staffer would take uh, two months after I, I gave them the information, uh, two months before you get a meeting with the staffer. And then I'd meet with the staffer and the staffer would say, well, um, I looked at, at what you wrote, but it disagrees with what the CDC says. So um, I don't believe it. And uh, that's pretty much the end of the conversation. So, and I, and I asked, you know, did you actually read the whole thing? And
0: then the staffer would say, no, I just read the first part of it. And, and clearly you, you disagree with the, the CDC, so it must be wrong. Phenomenal. And and you were not a guy who was, I mean, given your success and how God's blessed you with intelligence and, and hard work uh, and a great work ethic. um, You're not a guy without, you know, a a history, I guess, donating to politicians. And normally that gets you a call back, doesn't it? Uh,
1: Yeah. If it's, uh, if they're asking for money and they're trying to get money from me, (laughs) but when, when, when it's more about like, or here's an issue that you should pay attention to, then that becomes problematic.
0: So I will tell you this, that I have not, um, I founded companies and sold them, not at your success level. And before I got back into radio and now podcasting, uh, I was in tech. And when I began to look at this stuff, here's what concerned me about the injections. Um, As I understood, it was attacking part of, the molecule uh, of or the virus, part of the virus, but only part of it. And then when I understood that it was mRNA that induced the body to produce a cytotoxic element called a spike protein and I read about cytotoxins and what that would mean, I am, I'm a bumpkin. Uh, and I looked at that and said, wait a minute, you're going to cause our bodies to produce something harmful to the body. Wouldn't that lead to a, a derangement of the immune system? And now we're seeing a derangement of the immune system. I shouldn't have been able to figure that out so easily. And yet to me, the design in this is so flawed and so obvious. And then friends of mine have gone back and I've looked at the SEC documents and and where Moderna and Pfizer do bear liability. They said, oh yeah, this isn't gonna stop a transmission or an infection. Uh, they were upfront about that. So this is a constant question people have, Steve. Um, Are people literally so blind that they can't see this or is there evil afoot? And I have my point of view on this, but I'd like to hear yours. Well, you know, there are people who are taking advantage
1: of the situation, but I would say that most of the people that work at the FDA and the CDC, they actually believe this. They actually believe that the, and and that's true for the drug companies as well. Uh, Because I have insiders that, the CDC and, and also one of the, um, the two drug companies. And they say, yeah, the people here, they're totally drinking the Kool-Aid. They're getting vaccinated and, and they actually believe that it works because that's what they're told. And it's the same way with my friends, right? These people are no different than most of our, I should say, former friends where, they just believe what the government says. They believe that if they're a scientist, they believe what's in the clinical trials. And they, the only thing that they look at in the clinical trials is what the conclusion says. They don't look at the exclusions. They don't look at the fact that five times as many people were excluded in the vaccine group as in the placebo group. That's, that's impossible if it's a double-blind, randomized trial. And so, and then they don't look at the part about, oh, more people were killed who took the vaccine. No more people died who took the vaccine (laughs) than who took the placebo. And then of course you have to trust the drug company when the drug company says, ah, but all of those deaths or the people that took the vaccine, none of them were caused by the vaccine. And so people believe Uh, These people in authority, and and they believe the drug company because the FDA is supposed to be critical of the drug company and their data, but they're not, but they think they are. And so they think they can trust the data and the paper that says, um, yes, it's 90% effective. You know, even if it saved one person per 22,000 that were vaccinated, even if it saved one life, one COVID life for one out of 22,000, that's still a total savings of of a maximum of 10,000 people. Now, there are more than that, more than 10,000 deaths reported into VERS, and VERS is yeah. somewhere around 41 times underreported. Yeah. So there's no question, there's, you're more likely to die. From these vaccines. So, then, I, yeah, the, the, then they're likely to save you.
0: Yeah. So, I,
1: well, like, you know, I, I, you don't have to compare it with COVID. You can you compare it with how many lives the vaccines are going to save, are supposed to save, with how many lives the vaccine um, end. They're not even close, it's not even a close call.
0: So when I hear this, I I go back and I think about some things um, that I've seen happen with Pfizer. Let's start with them. Uh, They lied about their clinical trials. They lied about testing pregnant women. Um, They excluded, as you said, um, information about deaths and then they downplay that. Um, They then at the FDA and probably the, uh, the, the World Health Organization and the CDC when this stuff isn't working and they have communications problems, they come back and attempt to redefine the word vaccine. The World Health Organization attempted to redefine the word herd immunity, and in fact, at one point said it doesn't exist; it's a theory that immunity can only be created through these injections. And, and I, I watched these cover-ups after cover-ups, and and Steve, they're sloppy well, the, cover-ups. And yeah, that, well, the big
1: different. one, the big one. Go ahead. Yeah, the big cover-up was that. Oh, they'll prevent you from getting infected. That was the big claim. That's what they, these things were approved on. Oh, it doesn't do that, but you should take it because it will reduce your chance of hospitalization or death. But we know that's not the case for death. It's not even close. I mean, I mean, even if it did, even if it did work for death. The vaccine just simply kills more people than what they said. and there was a there was a study out of Canada. It was done at the uh, request of a, a member of parliament in in Canada and they looked at the Ontario government data. and the person the people who did the study needed to remain anonymous. Why? Because they feared retribution. And their study concluded that for anybody under 60, these vaccines have no death benefit, and they have no hospitalization benefit. So when you combine that with no protection from infection, you're looking at a, at at something that at best does nothing. So you know that's well.
0: <laughs> that's the facts. This is where I think this gets so. I don't know, uh, mentally treacherous in a way. I, I've, I've developed a point of view because this isn't my first run in with big pharma. Um, I fought against the chemical and surgical alteration, to use a polite word, of children um, who have become convinced they're born in the wrong body. And similar to you, uh, I had families coming to me, my radio show in Seattle saying, my gosh, my kids are being medically kidnapped. I said, no, that's not possible. No. And well, in children's hospitals, no, children's hospital would never do that. That's insane. And I began to look into it and realize that, yes, after one meeting with a therapist, uh, a kid could, in fact, go get wrong sex hormones, etc. I learned in the state of Oregon, they could do that at the age of 13, at 15, get surgery. The parents have to pay for it. And I, I said, okay, none of this is, is based in this evidence. And that's a different topic, except it's the same players. It's the same players and it's the same technique. It's this behavioral kill shoot. Parents are told um, the only way to prevent your kid from killing themselves is to go down this medicalization and, and surgicalization path. That's it, nothing else works. That's not true, it's never been true. And I look at this behavioral kill shoot, you were part of this, you spent your money, you brought fellow investors to the table, uh, to seek an early treatment. And I looked at every single pathway being cut off except the injections. Everything will be okay when we get the injections. And I just look at the structure of these injections and, and how they were bound to induce at least a derangement of the immune system, if not others. And Van der Bosch and other knowledgeable creators of vaccines, actual vaccines saying, this is deadly. This is going to kill people. And I'm sorry, I, I have trouble believing that organizations that focus on, um, on depopulation uh, aren't, aren't driving something like this. And as I speak those words, uh, the air escapes my lungs. I cannot believe I'm speaking those words. Uh, it's, it, it sounds like madness, but I would like someone to point to me somewhere Uh, where these injections aren't creating even, you know, midterm harm in terms of reproduction. Um, And, and we're seeing stillbirths and, 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 you know, uh, uh, spontaneous abortions, et cetera. Uh, uh, Am I, feel free, Steve, we've only just met, but feel free to say, Todd, you're nuts, because it would give me a great deal of comfort if you said, no, you're a crazy person. Well, Todd, they,
1: uh, They did a study of pregnant women and the vaccine, and they published preliminary findings. And they didn't seem to think that there were any safety signals, but they didn't have all the data. They published it before they collected all the data. So Todd, do you think they ever published the final result of that study in pregnant women? no, nothing was ever published. Now, if the vaccines were safe and effective, why wouldn't they be touting that study for pregnant women?
0: It's chilling. It's, it's utterly chilling. And uh, We'll continue to talk with uh, Steve Kirsch. Um, and as, as we talk about this, I do want to get to something Steve said, which was former friends. Because this to me is also very, very frightening, this, this behavioral kill shoot leading to the death of friendships and even family relationships. We'll talk about that. So, you know, I take family relationships very seriously and where I've erred, hurt me and had to go through a process of forgiving myself. I do really, I regret the fact that I wasn't able to tell my dad or to, to coach him through fat loss. And I know that sounds weird, but I miss my dad. And we talk often about you dropping unwanted fat so you can do more things in life. And so that you can have more fun or in my case, do more things in the gym uh, or other people's cases to golf or simply to not hurt or to sleep better, to live longer, not destroy your organs, don't end up with diabetes. And that's where this goes. Is if you are of a certain age such as my age, this is when life decisions will begin to catch up with you. Like we can get away with carrying a lot of unwanted fat when we're young. The older we get, the more stress it puts on our bones. Uh, osteoporosis can leap up on us or creep up on us. Uh, arthritis. These things can be worsened by carrying too much fat on our body, but also the the oncoming of of diabetes. There's something called visceral fat. That's the stuff that gets between your organs. That is the thing that will lead to heart disease and diabetes. Your body just has to work too hard to stay in balance. And yes, I do tell my family about soda weight loss at sodaweightloss.com. I have a dear, dear family member on this. She asked me about it. I have dear friends who are now taking this up because they asked me about it. I would look you in the eye if we were sitting here face to face. And I would have a conversation with you about how soda works. They supply the meals, which are vital. You know, so as you look at the investments you make to lose this fat, make sure that you subtract that money from your monthly food budget because you're going to be getting food as part of this. They're a practiced eye. 7,000, over 7,000 Google reviews average. 4.8 stars out of 5. They're a practiced eye. They measure themselves scientifically. How? Because they predict how much unwanted fat you lose when, per week. They measure their accuracy because it goes to the core of their science. And then there's the human component. Most of the people there have been through the program. They're real healthcare providers. Not not the new type. The ones who actually care about patients. And in this case, they said, you know what? All of our patients want us to do this. Let's let's start doing weight loss. It's sodaweightloss.com. And the reason it's grown is almost entirely through word of mouth. You do it all from home. It's SOTAweightloss.com, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. SOTA stands for state-of-the-art because they are measurable, trackable, repeatable results and great predictions. com. Okay, Steve, um, you succeeded in chilling me. So thank you for that. Uh, It is a chilling thing that we're going through. It's a chilling time in which we live. Uh, Let's step back a little bit from the clinical and and the truly um, um, uh, existential reality of these injections and, and and what we're looking into and talk to me a little bit about friendships. You said something I've heard before, uh, former friends and in um, related to your your fight, you know, for COVID truth. Uh, and also I'm curious about business relationships. Uh, Silicon Valley's a pretty, um, it, it seems to be a pretty go along, get along, follow the authorities, as long as the authorities are sort of um, on one side of the political spectrum. So you've genuinely lost friends because of your work on, on COVID.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and work as well. I, I was forced to choose between uh, having a job or being able to speak out freely against the vaccines. So I chose to speak out freely, and I, I quit my job. Um, physicians have the same problem. Yeah. Now, I was in a position that I could quit my job, but most physicians aren't. And so they have a choice they can speak out freely or they can have a job and they can have a license to practice medicine. And I, you know, I just wrote a Substack article about this. I interviewed Paul Merrick. He's one of the most respected doctors in his field, um, which is a critical care medicine. And so he's the number two most published person in his field, which is basically ICU care. And the number one guy actually is the editor of a journal and he just adds his name on every paper. So Paul's legitimately the number one guy in the world. And he was forced out because he started speaking up against the vaccine and he started giving people early treatments. So they, they basically fired him and made it impossible for him to work anywhere else in medicine ever again and they did that by manufacturing patients that didn't exist and the medical boards wouldn't tell him the identity of his own patient who they accuse of you know some uh, some mischief I mean this is uh, these are are private hearings and they can just make stuff up. And take away your your license to practice medicine, and there's no recourse.
0: They did the same, I believe, to uh, immunologist um, Ryan Cole, Dr. Ryan Cole. Uh, out of, I, I live in the state of Idaho. he's in the southern part of Idaho, had the largest immunological lab west of the Mississippi. They also invented patients uh, of his, and he was able to go down and track this down. They never, ever used him. their Their blood never went through his lab. What are those conversations like for a man uh, who has enough money? um, And you say you're in a position where maybe you don't have to work. How does one even approach you to say, hey, Steve, we're going to need you to step aside? What are those? I I can't even fathom a conversation like that with a fellow human being because you're trying to fight for this and we have a different point of view. We can't have you. How does that even go?
1: It goes like this hey, our uh, we have a startup company, we're trying to get to close business with a certain bank and a certain bank won't do business with any company whose CEO is anti-vax.
0: Very simple. Wow. Wow. And this, it's not a bet, it's an offer. I read you and I read your substack every day, Steve, uh, that you made this offer, $50,000, to have someone spend a couple hours with you, like we're doing now, to, to tell you where you got it wrong, where your group got it wrong uh, on the injections, and I assume perhaps on early treatment. And um, I read the substack. It seems very sincere. You, do you want someone to come along and say, no, no, Steve, th- this is exactly where you guys got it wrong. And would you feel better if you looked at this and said, oh my gosh, I was wrong. This is all okay.
1: yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm searching for the truth here. Yeah. And, and if I got it wrong, then, Hey, you know, I'll line up to get the vaccine. But I mean, we've looked at hundreds of pieces of evidence and they're all consistent with the vaccines being unsafe and ineffective. Now, how can you have a safe vaccine when you have hundreds of pieces of evidence that are consistent with the hypothesis that the vaccines are not safe and effective right that's pretty unlikely you know i i i did meet someone i have a friend and she says that she knows four people who died um and not, in the last couple of years and none of them were vaccinated and that's that is the single piece of evidence that supports um, the vaccine. I mean, it's like two people. Yeah. I mean, these statistical, you know, anomalies uh, uh, can happen. But when you look at the very large numbers of data and I've surveyed uh, 600 people and asked them what their personal stats are for, what's happened to your vaccinated friends, what's happened to your unvaccinated friends. You add them all up, 600 different data points, you add them all up. And it was consistent with what Wayne Root found that the people who attended his uh, wedding, which was he had seven, 7% of them uh, passed away in the eight months since his wedding. And 26% were injured in the eight months since his wedding. And on the unvaccinated side, the numbers were zero and zero. Now, Wayne could have been an outlier, but those numbers are just so extreme that it's hard to believe that this is what you get if you had a safe and effective vaccine. And when I, so that's why I went out and, and gathered 600 data points and I have all the people who responded and I basically validated those numbers. The numbers I got from aggregating 600 people were very similar to Wayne's numbers. So I think he's much closer to the statistical mean than my friend is who has opposite numbers. And a lot of people say, well, I don't know of anybody who died, you know, in two years. Well, sometimes, sometimes we know these people and we just forget about them. Like for example, my wife and I both know someone who died after they got the vaccine. Young guy died of a stroke. Soon after getting the vaccine and I asked her, hey, do you know anyone who's died, um, you know, in the last few years? And she said no. <laughs> so she, she had forgotten
0: yeah. about this person that we both know. There is another aspect to this um, that is very familiar to me when I had these families coming to me saying, Hey, our daughter is 13. She's been a girly girl her whole life in the past six months. She decided she's a boy. She insists on getting uh, wrong sex hormones and surgery. And she found a therapist that will do this for her. Um, and CPS has gotten involved. And if we don't toe the line, they may take our daughter away from us. Um, I took 14 cases like this to media and Steve, I work in media. I took them to friends. And some of the friends cried as they read the stories of these parents and hugged me and said, oh, yes, we'll tell this tale. Uh, I, I shared it with one of the most successful investigative reporters on the West Coast. She equally said, I'm telling these stories. This is insane. Um, I want to talk to the families. In every instance, they came back and said, we can't touch this. We cannot talk about it. This is too hot to handle. So I wanna ask you, Steve, in a second about media. Uh, I learned about you through Tucker Carlson initially. Um, I read you every day now. It would seem to me that many people would be rushing to you given the data, the work you've done, the offer you've made. Um, So we'll talk with Steve Kirsch about that. You know, my friend Zach Abraham is no uh, stranger to media conflicts. I mean, he has a radio show, KnowYourRiskRadio.com. But Zach did something so very, very cool. A, um, a common friend of ours and one of the best radio hosts in the country, and that's borne out through numbers, Dory Monson, a good friend of mine at Cairo Radio in Seattle, a fantastic watchdog of government waste, fraud, and abuse. Uh, the Seahawks used to be helped by having Dory do their pregame show. Dory's a very successful basketball coach too, girls basketball, and he is fantastic sports mind. So for years he hosted the pregame show until Dory made a joke. One day on social media He was responding to the dictator of the state of Washington, now the, 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 the separate country of Washington, who said that their so-called transgender policies were based on science. And Dory said a joke. He said, "Oh, so it's scientific that in my mid 50s I can go down to uh, Olympia, the capital of Washington and suddenly change my birth certificate to female. That's science." The NFL came on, Seahawks came around, put their weights on Dory, tried to get him canceled. In fact, this this crept over into his talk radio career. He was forced to be on break for a little while, suspended. And then Zach, Zach, Abraham heard about this. And Zach went to the station and said, I don't like this. And they said, well, this is what we're doing. And Zach said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull my money. And he pulled a lot of it. He stood with the brother. That's who he is. Zach's also the guy who stewards my money and he stewards Dory's money. He does this because they, there, that is his wife's the chief operating officer there. They view this as stewardship. They focus on risk management. And in this conversation here with Mr. Hirsch, I mean, you can take these same techniques and apply them to the world of finance, the mobbed up world of finance. It's the same guys. It's the party. Zach has been telling the truth about this for over a decade, talking about the zero interest rate loan environment, talking about how one hand in government helps their buddy, you know, their other hands in regulators, helps their other hands with the banks. He's the guy who's told us about the, the, the Treasury conjuring $360 billion twice illegally buying corporate bonds. Now, he's not just someone giving us information. He helps us respond. His funds, if you're 10 to 15 years out from retirement, 5, 10, or 15 years out. Bulwark Capital Management is entirely focused on risk management. Everything I just described to you is about risk. You, too, can get into the risk management obsessed portfolio. Bulwark Capital Management, call them at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Buller Capital Management is an investment advisor representative, Trek financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. Steve, Bill Gates spent for him, uh, and it's difficult for, for normal folk like me to think of $362 million as a rounding error, but I used to work at Microsoft. I've been in Gates meetings, and I know that that's a very small amount of money to him. It's a rounding error. It's you know some carried interest on one account somewhere. Uh, He spent about $360 million to purchase positive coverage around these injections. He spent money on patents. You know about the patent trading. My audience knows about the patent trading. Um, Bill did that and and suddenly was Mr. Vaccine uh, on TV. Uh, The Columbia Journalism Review wrote an article called uh, Bill's Media Gatekeepers." Uh, about th- their their critique of the coverage of this. This is a Columbia Journalism Review saying these are shameful emissions uh, in media. It's an unnatural thing when competitors don't want to beat each other uh, to the table with a big story. But in this case, the silence of what I've come to call the mockingbird media to me indicates to me that they are <sighs> – I I want to believe they're fooled. I don't think so. I think that they're financially compromised because legacy media, particularly news, is so funded by pharma. Um, what's your observation of this? You've been in the media now uh, quite a bit, at least in conservative media.
1: Well, I think that's a combination of things. So there are, they don't want to lose the advertising dollars. So that's one piece of it. So if you discover something amiss, and you want to do a story about it, you're not going to be able to do that. So Kim Iverson, uh, for example, wanted to talk to Fauci uh, and be in on the meeting when the Hill met with Fauci. She was disinvited from that meeting. And because she was disinvited, she quit because she has integrity. But a lot of people can't afford to do that. So they go along with it. And then the rest of them simply believe them what they're told by the medical community, which is the vaccines are safe and effective. They don't have a medical background. And they're not going to take the time to look at the data. So I had a technical background and I had a medical background because I funded research in medicine for the past 20 years. So I knew what to look for. I knew how to analyze it. And I knew where the data was and I had the time because I had quit my job. So I had the time and expertise to look at the data directly, which is something that most people don't do. They, or they look at it and they look at it very quickly. Like I have one friend who said, oh, look, there's no excess mortality. So therefore you, you're wrong. Um,
0: well, there is now.
1: <laughs> there's uh, well, you know, you can cherry pick the data, but. The point is that I have hundreds of examples that are unexplainable. Well, and there, and, there is, and actually- it's not, and it's, it, and it's not just me, yeah. you know, Todd, that's, that's the other thing. It's not just me. Like I was talking to Paul Merrick, right? Paul believed the vaccines were safe and effective because that's what he was told. And he was told to believe people were experts. So that's why Paul got the shot. And Paul has a, It's called an H index of 105, and uh, most Nobel laureates average an H index of 40. And it's a exponential scale; it gets harder and harder. Like 41 is is much tougher than getting to to uh, to 40, right? It gets exponentially harder and harder. Yeah. So to get up to 100, it's really really tough, and so. So Paul's at the top of his game and he basically took the shot because he was told to believe people in medicine. And it took him months of looking at the data and collecting data before he realized that he had been had. And I asked him, I said, so how do you know you got it right now? He says, oh, I know I got it right because i looked at the data, whereas before I was simply doing it on trust and now it's different. I looked at the data and the data was all consistent. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely certain yeah. that getting the vaccine was a mistake. And now you look at someone like Paul Offit, who is one of the, the top vaccine doctors in the world. And he said, I'm not taking this new bivalent booster, it was tested on eight mice. You shouldn't be giving something that has only been tested on eight mice and releasing it to the general public. No kidding. And I'm not going to be part of that. So when you have Paul Offit saying, no, I'm not taking it. You know, you, you have to ask, you have to ask questions like, oh, maybe this guy and his friends were right the whole time.
0: Yeah, and he's an FDA advisor. We've talked about him on the show and played some sound from him. Um, As we wrap this up with Steve Kirsch, uh, I wanna ask uh, Steve, um, you mentioned excess mortality. I I look at reports from insurance companies. Um, I look at reports from public companies that run funeral homes and therefore have a lot of data. Um, I look at what's multiple insurance companies. Uh, I am looking at data uh, from the UK uh, in death rates, particularly with millennials. Um, I follow data analysts like uh, Ethical Skeptic, you might know his work. I've actually met him and know who he is. Uh, Justin Hart, others, people you probably know and have talked with. I am seeing uh, an increase in mortality, in all-cause mortality, non-COVID, And it is appearing to cluster around some fairly predictable outcomes like myocarditis, pericarditis, now some cancers. Dr. Ryan Cole has talked about this. And then I'm seeing market responses. Um, I think it's Presbyterian Hospital in New York has published a very expensive TV ad uh, inviting kids with myocarditis and pericarditis to come to the clinic. Um, I watched this normalized. I watched ads running saying- First time in history. First time in history that we have an ad like that. The first
1: time in history. It's remarkable. And people are looking the other way. Sudden death suddenly is an okay thing. And died suddenly is an okay thing. And in Canada, the number one cause of death you know, it used to be like heart disease. Now it's unknown.
0: And 35- How can it be unknown? 35 doctors in the prime of their life in Canada. I think it's. it might even be 36 now have died. Um, there's a number of things that you do, not just providing information to people. Uh, you have placed this financial offer. Um, You have the data that they can read, uh, but there's also actions that you're asking people to take. And I admire you about, I admire this about you, um, to help doctors speak out and to help bolster their, um, I guess, their courage. What do you want people to do uh, to help, to help right this ship a little bit? What do you think is going to be most effective?
1: Um, Being informed is the most effective because the more people that are informed, the easier it is to to change people's minds i mean right now we lose in court because the judges believe the vaccines are safe and effective the judges believe the cdc and the fda so the more people that realize that this is a problem including judges the better and the more doctors i mean the key is doctors the more doctors who realize that they've been lied to the better because once the doctors are convinced, then it's all over. <laughs> Nobody can say, oh, the doctors are wrong. <laughs> it's really safe and effective, the doctors are all wrong. That's n- not gonna happen. So we need to open the eyes of the doctors. So that that's all about uh, patients that are speaking up and, and talking to their doctors, and their doctors may be saying, wow, it's like the fifth patient today that's said that, maybe I should look at that. Oh, maybe I should take another look at that um, that phase three trial, and maybe I should take a closer look at the evidence instead of just trusting what I've been told. Yeah. And so, people, uh, the simplest action they can take is just follow me on Substack,
0: SteveKirsch.substack.com, and get informed yourself. Yeah, there's links to Steve's work, uh, multiple articles from his Substack in the show notes. That'll also be on your podcast app. Um, you can click over and, and follow Steve. And um, I guess my last question for you, Steve, is maybe it might be a personal question, but yeah, I get it. It is a personal question. How has this changed you? Um, obviously, you know, I've seen you write about red pilling, but toss aside politics. How has this changed you um, as a man who lives and breathes and loves and has aspirations and family? What's, what has it done to you?
1: It's opened my eyes to, uh, to not trusting authority. Uh, You know, it's more of the uh, trust, but verify. Yeah. Uh, So with emphasis on the verify now, it used to be just trust, right? For the FDA, the FDA and the CDC told me to get the shot. Well, so it turns out that you you then start to take a critical eye and you look at other things they told you, like they told you that other vaccines are safe and effective. It turns out that they've been lying to us about that as well. Uh, you know, they they covered up the link between autism and vaccines. You know, when you look at the evidence, there's an admission from the CDC that they Instructed people who work at the CDC to destroy all data that links the vaccines with autism. Why would the CDC have people destroy data linking vaccines and autism? That sounds like a cover-up. And so you open your mind to the possibility that maybe they've not been telling you the truth about other things as well. And so you start to look at everything now with a critical eye. And when people say things that you think are impossible like, oh, did they fake uh, 9-11? Was the Building 7 was that actually deliberately blown up? Um, I don't think it was. But I'm more open to listening to what the story is and evaluating whether it's true or not whereas before I would simply dismiss that as out of hand now that's a um, believed to be a false rumor in in this particular case uh, you know but there are other things I mean lo- global warming I think is a, a pretty good example now I've always been led to believe that global warming is real that Jim Hansen warned people that the earth was heating up we're seeing melting of the polar ice cap global warming um, yeah. you know as far as I know uh, 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 there is but now I'm actually open to listening to the other side right right so yeah. I'm, So I'm much more tolerant of people who have differing views and being willing to you know listen to them so you know there's a group that claims that there is no that the, there's no uh, Uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus, and they claim, oh, it's never been isolated. But that's false, because it's been sequenced. The, The genomic sequence has been done by groups working independently. Now, if there's no virus, how can you sequence it? And, you know, so there are all sorts of flaws in their logic and so you know that's not true but i spent time a lot of time too much time to investigate it and what was interesting was when i invited them to the debate table to have a video call and let's discuss friendly way let's you know let's talk about the science let's talk about your argument gee you know my wife's friend got covid then my wife got covid and then I got COVID. Now, if it's not a virus, then what is it? Because their alternate explanation is it's caused by pollution, or it's caused by 5G, or it's caused by um, the foods we eat. You know, those things don't fit the evidence. And science is about looking at pieces of evidence and Seeing which hypothesis is a better fit to the data, and it was very clear that uh, they didn't, they couldn't fit any of the data. I asked them the simple question: "Is like, hey, how did my wife's friend pass it on to my wife? Which passed it on to me? How did that happen?" "Well, I don't know." "Huh? Well, you don't have a very convincing argument. That's why none of, none of these people will appear on camera. And when people are camera shy, who are?" who have hundreds of thousands of followers and they produce videos and they don't want to confront people who disagree with them on camera, man, that's a sure sign that you're being misled. And the exact same thing is true when we look at people who are pro-vaccine. Not a single one of them will have an on-camera discussion with any one of us. Exactly, And similarly, the people who say there's no virus, they will not have a discussion with any of us, whether it's John Rappaport or uh, 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 Sam Bailey or Mark Bailey or um, uh, Andrew Kaufman or Tom Cowan. None of these guys won't even go on video for five minutes with me or one of my experts and they could say, Oh, well, you know, you're not qualified. Fine. You can go on camera with, with, uh, here's a, here are four experts that you can go on camera with who, who have impeccable credentials if you don't like my credentials and you won't do it with them either. So it's just a, it's just an excuse.
0: I have made an offer because they know they've been the, uh, They'd be outed. Exactly. I made an offer years They'd ago. They lose followers. In, in Seattle, I made an offer, and I've done it again um, recently. But I was up to fifteen thousand um, dollars to have a gender therapist or a PhD, someone to come onto my program uh, to defend what they were doing to kids chemically and surgically, and to just talk about a, a very core this 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 aspect that hey, if you don't do this, kids will commit suicide. Well, I had all the data, like you. It, it was it was ridiculous none of them would come on and they would complain. They would send pressure emails to the, you know, to the, the to the owners saying this guy's got to be shut down. We demand equal time, but not with him. We demanded, they would do this. We demand he read our statement. And to their credit, the, the owners of, you know, the, the, um, the broadcast said, no, we're not, we're not going to, he's not going to be told to read a statement. And I would ask this, Steve, in addition to being informed in, in your sub stack, my show, other people who are seeking the truth on this, let's get really good at asking questions. Uh, I was one time pressured by a doctor to take the injections. And he began the conversation by saying, are you vaccinated? And I said, for what? He said, oh, well, well COVID-19. I said, no, I'm not. He goes, well, you really should consider it. It's very, very important. And I said, Steve, I said, how do they work? And he goes, the vaccines? I said, yeah, how did they work? He said, well, they introduced your body um, an inert portion of the virus to key up your immune system to begin to recognize that and to build antibodies against it. And I said, oh, wait, so are you talking about Pfizer, Moderna? He said, yeah, I said, so that's not an mRNA process that introduces a a gene sequencing that kicks the genes into producing uh, the spike protein uh, up to 42 trillion at a time in the body that's a cytotoxin? And this doctor said to me well if you knew that why'd you ask me i said doctor with all due respect a better question is since you knew that why did you lie to me um we can't always count on ignorance as the excuse sometimes there is a lot of money and with covid there was so much money spread around Uh, to take people from, hey, I've got a sprained ankle and tested positive for COVID to I died in the hospital, quote, of COVID. $500,000 in that whole chain. So I would ask people get armed with information from your sub stack, continue to amass it and get really good at asking questions like how does it work or the experts agree. Well, then my response is which experts and how do they know? Uh, Because we're in an era of credentialism and authoritarianism and if we don't respond with questions and our own research then we're just going to get rolled so uh, i thank you so much for being willing to do this for your fellow man and just would invite you to go with god's good grace and and know that you're always welcome here and that we just consider you uh, to be a a fantastic and loving neighbor we thank you for that
1: yeah well thank you thank you todd and so it's been a pleasure to uh to talk with you
0: thank you And that is one story out of tens of thousands of people who decided to look into what we've been told. They live in lies. They can't see the truth. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be grounded in the sole source of truth, which is the word of God.